welcome to another episode of Kavajay Screening Room. I'm your host, Kavaj Alinas, and this is a podcast about cinema, the industry, and the future. And today's episode is actually covering all three of those things because I am joined by the one and only Cortland Kelly, who ha- you have not been on the pod in a very long time, is what I'm now realizing. Maybe season two, maybe? What, did we I go know. seasons without... That's that's embarrassing on my part. No, no. We've anyway. Been busy. We're glad to have you back because there's kind of a lot to talk about. It's been, I, I, say, I don't know about, this week was bad for me for different reasons, but I would say last weekend was kind of a big weekend for both of us for a very similar yet very distinct reason. So Cortland, what were you doing last weekend? Last weekend, um, I attended Telluride Film Festival for the first time. Um, yeah, my first big film fest outside of Chicago and one of the best weekends of my life, for sure. Yeah. And just before we get into a little bit about the festivals, I was also at a film festival. Um, I was at the Venice Biennale, which um, I would say Venice and Telluride kind of share the mantle of premiering pretty much, I would say at least 50%, if not more, of the films that do enter the fall festival circuit. Obviously, the other big one being TIFF, which when this is released is in full swing. Um but I think this is a little more interesting because these are two very distinct festivals that are a little harder to get to for people yeah. like us. So, so run, run, run us through. How, how did you even get to tell your ride? Not like lit- actually Loki literally, cause I'm kind of curious, yeah. but. Um, so I didn't know I was going to tell your ride until two weeks or two and a half weeks before the festival, which is rare. If you're attending tell your ride, um, basically I missed, I had no idea when passes were released. They make it pretty hard to figure out in the first place. Um, I went on the wait list in March. And yeah, then two and a half weeks before the festival, they emailed me saying, you're off the wait list. And I made it happen. I booked basically the last hotel room I believe existed. I booked, I used like all of my points to like book my flight. I got a direct flight there. Everything was on time. Um, literally everything went right. And so, um, by the grace of God, <laughs> I, made it, I made it to the, to the festival. And, um, yeah, I have, there's like the, I don't know how Venice works, but it's the different level passes. And truthfully, I think I have, I got the best pass. I, it's like the second tier one, mm-hmm. but they play every film you want to see at, at the theater that you have access to, um, the only inconvenience is that it's like at the top of the mountain and like people don't like to have to commute to the top of the mountain often, but it was so cool though. What? Yeah. I was, I was staying up there and like, you just, it's a quick gondola ride. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, made it happen. I seriously still feel so lucky. It's been weird, like rushing back into like normal working life and like still sitting with like what an experience that was. And, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm excited to like have this conversation about like all of it and everything, and because um, it's a lot, and I hope other people get to experience it in their in their lives. But also, I want to gatekeep it. <laughs> Loki, I think they've done a pretty good job gatekeeping Telluride. It is so hard to get to, even so like hard. if you're not going for the festival. But I think that that has to be the cool part of it, right? Where it's just like the isolated community of people who are just interested in film. Yes, seriously, and but also there's a low key hate from all like the locals um <laughs> everyone walks around with their lanyard and yeah. and i refuse to wear mine because i just didn't want to 
look like I was everyone else. But yeah, it's it's so interesting. And it's also really interesting like for everyone to be like, wow, it's so busy here. And it's nothing compared to what you just experienced and like busyness and like the amount of people. And um, so, yeah, they really do a good job of gatekeeping it. And that's and that's good at good and bad. I have my my qualms because I'm sure like your your audience was pretty diverse. Is that would that would you say that's accurate? I would say diversity is an interesting, um, it's a very complex term. So I would say it's a little more diverse age-wise than I was expecting. I think film festivals tend to lean towards a certain crowd in general. That's just something I've noticed, especially in the States, because they're charged pretty high. Like, if you don't have a press pass, it's really, really hard to see some of these movies. Like, that's kind of what I was initially drawn to Venice, because for those who don't know, I'm based in Europe for the next couple of months. So it was easier to get to Venice than flying. But I was just on their website one day and saw that the accreditation was super well-priced, especially as someone who has had to kind of shell out quite a bit of money as a student just to see one movie at a place like the New York Film Festival, which usually things like that you have to determine. It's about $25 or something. Okay. And I'm always confused because they always, it's later in the season. It doesn't happen for another two weeks. I love New York Film Festival. I think it's like very fascinating. They bring in great people. um, And just their year-round programming is awesome. But it is a later festival and that's not really something they can help. That's just the way it is. So when people see movies that come out a week later, I'm always like baffled because I'm like, I get that you want to see a Q&A, but also like you're paying double the amount of time that you would pay. Yeah. And I know because Chicago I think kind of coincides with New York Film Festival yeah they're pretty similar yeah and Chicago's is pretty long which is nice but yeah I would say it's like $22 but then at Telluride um you there's like different lines for different like how to get like different ways to see the movie and so if you Mm. were a non-pass holder you just like hope that there'd be seats left for you but it's like $40 that's yeah that's crazy I mean yeah I'm trying to, like, think because the thing about Venice that I actually really appreciate and I think is, like, this is why I'm saying to everyone, if you can go to Venice, obviously, like, I'm not saying you need to fly transcontinentally, but if you're you're in the area, I, sorry. If you, if I go to Venice, I miss Telluride. So every year it's going to be that. That's true. Which is, why do they do that? I mean, I get it, but also... It's it just vying for premieres. It's just vying for premieres, I think. Yeah. But I think that even if you're not a pass holder, most people are pass holders because there's kind of a lot of ways that you can get the accreditation. Like, even if I wasn't... Like, I feel that a university student one, and they're like, oh, no, because your major is cinema, you have to fill out our cinema accreditation, um, which low-key cool. required more work. But <laughs> it worked out. Um but even the public tickets, I was shocked, are like $8 for oh. a, like premiere screening. They would do double movies every night for the two main oh. premieres that were 15 So you're basically paying the price of a normal movie ticket just to see a movie with a crowd of like 2,000 people before anyone else gets to see it. And What? I'm going to – maybe I should skip Telluride. But except next year's the 50th anniversary for them, so I think it, it's going to be longer. Is it, next year's 80 for Venice. Wow. Yeah. They're making it really hard for you to decide. Seriously. Seriously. Okay. Well, if you go to Venice, then I'll, but you should come to Telluride. Oh my God. I would love to. I've always wanted to 
I, I told you I met someone at New York Film Festival last year who was, I was like, what's the best festival you've been to? And she was like, tell you ride. Like, yeah. I cannot even describe it. I will say this year's lineup was not as great as last year's. I think it's a, I think it's a everywhere thing. I think really? that it's okay. a weaker, it's a weaker fall is the yeah, impression I'm getting. So, I'm curious to know, did you feel that there was an overall theme in like the, the genre or just like the stories of the movies that you saw? Cause I felt like everything I saw was kind of sad and like kind of just heavy or yeah. like it was going for being like heavy. And I don't know if that's, cause then I think about last year's Telluride lineup and kind of similar. So I don't know if it's a Telluride thing or just like a general. I, or, I don't know. I'm not entirely sure. I, well, I did meet someone at the last movie, um, this very, very nice Italian woman who was, we were speaking in French, was like the proudest moment of my career. Um, and we were talking about how, because we ended up seeing all of the same movies. Oh, and okay. This is me, that's like me meeting your mom at Lollapalooza. <laughs> just, just, that's full circle. That's right low-key the way to do it because then you have so many like, conflicts of interest to discuss because you can discuss everything you've seen or everything you went to but we were talking about how this is i don't think they went for this because i don't think it's that kind of festival but a lot of the films did have to deal with identity um i'm going to talk about bardo in a little bit and a man which are two that like i definitely thought were really going for this idea of like what is an identity how has it changed by time and all of these external factors but i will say the thing that i find really curious about venice that i don't see it tell you right and i don't see it toronto or new york or chicago is that there's no films from ken they're not like recycling very much the only thing on the lineup that was um recycled to my knowledge was living which is the um i because I, I saw you like see it and i like clicked on it, but then i saw that you saw it at sundance is that correct yeah so it was a sundance premiere which yeah, is a little funny I, to me because i wouldn't have expected it to premiere at sundance yeah however i did see um Bill Nye and the director and the cast like eating breakfast and so um that also adds to my bias of like why I might throw it in that's why I'm curious about this because I was listening to another podcast shout out to the big picture great great movie podcast but um the host of that Sean Fennessy was talking about how every time he goes to Telluride he always like just sees people on the street and in screenings is that is that true I'd say so. I, I wouldn't say as much for me because I was up like at the top of the mountain most of the mm-hmm. time and um but however like everyone that's in person goes to their screening. So I basically, if except oh, Anne Hathaway didn't show up, I missed her and that, that hurt a little bit, but, yeah. you know, so, but otherwise if you're down in actual Telluride where they have more theaters, I would say you like would run into a fair amount of, of known, known people. And like, I, I sent you that picture of the seminar and like, so even if you aren't like showing a screening there, like, you might be in attendance and, and part of it and like Michelle Yeoh showing up and, and everything. So yeah, it's, I don't know. It's so funny. I never, I didn't realize how like intimate it would be with such big people that I never really thought I'd interact with in sort of that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like spontaneity is another big part of it. Can you speak a little bit about that? How was it like, were you scared when you flew in not knowing what was going to be on the lineup? For those who don't know, Telluride releases their schedule the day, I think it's the first day or the day before the festival? They, it's the day before. So I was, I did like know somewhat going in, I printed off the schedule for my flight there. Mm-hmm. So I could just kind of figure out and like map out um, 
what what I was going to do. But it was it was interesting because I went into a lot of them blind. Like I didn't want to do too much reading. I the only way I kind of knew anything was by asking you. <laughs> you were seeing and that and that was my my judgment and so you and just like general rumors are like why i skipped bardo and um it yeah, needed so to be done yeah. <laughs> i'm curious to hear like you speak on it more but yeah. i I'm, it seems like i really did make the, the right decision well a movie that i don't think oh we are going to mention it a little bit but it did happen um with bones and all i was in the middle of it and i was like oh my god Cortland's gonna see this in like six hours and then we can just talk about it <laughs> Yes, and I'm, I'm I'm so excited to talk about it because I think I liked it more than you. From yeah, I think I did. But well, let's talk a little bit about your festival habits because this okay. is you said your first festival outside of Chicago, and I think film festivals are very different. Like I love the Chicago Film Festival, but it's different. It's very confined, is what I'll say to one building. Yes, and I don't like where it is. It's actually yeah. it's so convenient for, in my opinion. Um, for those that like don't know Chicago, it's like just it's so out of the way. It's like it's closest to the lake as possible, and that's not convenient for anyone to get to. So, so. It's like Chicago has great theaters. So if they wanted to, I don't know like legality things. So I'm not trying to drag cinema slash Chicago, who have been very helpful in helping someone from Indiana see movies. Yeah, <laughs> right, you can do better than the one AMC that's downtown. So yeah, never. Um, we digress from from Chicago, but. Just back to, oh, like spontaneity. The other thing I feel happened at Telluride that was like most spontaneous is I mentioned Michelle Yeoh and her being, it was the 22nd anniversary of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And I had never seen it, but it's something I like had been vying to see. Mm -hmm. And so they didn't announce it though until the last showing on Friday night. So no no one really went to the screening the next morning because they announced it so late and you had to like, you have to wake up, you know, an hour yeah. or two hours before so that you can like get there and be in line and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I didn't even have to get there that early. Like I was the 44th person to get a reservation. And I would say there was only 60 more after me in a, in a theater of 600. And so. What? Yeah, I know. But I think maybe because it's something that wasn't premiering and it was just an anniversary. But that's like one of the most festivally films like yeah to be somewhere and it premiered at telluride too so it was i don't know it's that's interesting and but i'm happy that was like a spontaneous decision i made but i missed woman talking did you see that it did it premiered at telluride i'm not the actually i do like sarah Pauli's films because i really like stories we tell i don't know if you've seen it but i didn't really like take this waltz so i'm like a little nervous about first off the plot of woman talking seems really really like Oof, like yeah. heavy, heavy to say the least. Everyone's comparing it to Twelve Angry Men. Okay, so, I could see I know. that. I'm very curious. I'm hoping it's in Chicago, and that's when I'll see it. Um, I'm really so I'm sad I missed it, but also worth it. Yeah, I mean, let's just. What are your film festival habits before we get into like the actual films we saw? How do you? T- are you a person who sees like? I've, this is kind of like a rhetorical question now that I'm asking, but are you the person who does like a movie a day or like, is it dawn to dusk and after? Um, dawn to dusk and like no regrets, but by number five, like, <laughs> like what a, what a long day. And to get up so early, be inside for like 
big three hour chunks and I'm like mm-hmm. suddenly at three o'clock and I'm like, what the heck? I, the whole day has like gone by and I feel like, not that I haven't done anything because I've accomplished so much, mm-hmm. but are you, are you the same? I like, you're oh my pa- God. I, I want to pack it all in, which is hard to do on the mental. Like it is so hard to do. Thankfully, Venice is really centralized. The hardest I've ever had to schedule is TIFF because you have to run across Toronto to get to um, yeah. screenings. But I, I'm the exact same way. Whereas the first movie started at eight, I was there at seven thirty with um, trying to get a coffee and like fighting everyone in line. Um, <laughs> and then I was there till I would say like midnight every night, just because yeah. it's like this. It you kind of especially if you have a pass, it's like you might as yeah. well just do it. Oh, yeah, I might as well. I want to make the most of my time. Also, like if you break down movies to price, like you're still playing similar to a, a non-pass holder yeah. ticket. So yeah, like I want to see as much as I can. And also it was hard because it was, you know, my first year and I did want to see like a seminar or two, but then I'm like sacrificing seeing a movie. But I think that's just kind of like, I wanted to still have like a festival feel, you know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't want to create my own movie experience. I wanted the extras. For, the, for my first time, at least. I mean, is there anything you couldn't get into that you wanted to get into? No. The only thing that, like, was really hard for me, like, my most upset, like, frustrating moment was I getting into TAR or getting a seat for TAR, I should say. Like, I got in fine. And then, I, like, I went alone. And, you know, you, like, make, like, friends in line. And I ended yeah. up, like, like, kind of pairing up with someone for the weekend. And it made my life so much easier. But... For Tar, it's like I was alone and everyone was saving seats for everyone. And I could not find a seat. And then for some reason, like no ushers existed in that sh- like showing. Okay. And like, like, where are you guys? Like, this is the moment <laughs> I need you. And, um, <laughs> and so it was just, that was frustrating. I ended up getting like a seat and it was, you know, I saw the show and yeah. it was a whole thing. But it was just, I think that was my only, only bad luck. And then it, it rained on us a little during um, the seminar. Okay. Otherwise, otherwise, I'm I'm pretty content with what I got into. What about you? Did you miss anything or? So something that I think most festivals, except Telluride, and I think Chicago, do now is that they do reserve seating online. Venice's oh. platform really put me through the ringer. Like I was, it took I think because I got some public tickets just because there were th- certain things I wouldn't be able to see with my pass that I was like I want to end up seeing. Okay. Um, just because of like when I was leaving, because I was missing so much of the festival, and then pass holders have like a separate redemption, but the press all the press, and there's like thousands of people who do press, yeah. and all the people with passes who are like a majority of the people who go to the festival are all on this website at the exact same time trying to get tickets. So it took about twelve hours to get combined through two days tickets to everything I wanted to get. Wow! So the what? The bad part about that is that I was going to see movies here because I was like, oh, they're showing Blowout in theaters. When am I ever going to get the chance to see that? But nope, I was stuck here trying to get tickets. The good news is that one of my days just consisted of walking, like seeing a movie, walking out, making a circle, getting a coffee and like a panini, and then walking right in the movie five minutes before it starts and having like the most seamless experience. So I think that, yeah, there were no ushers, but like everything was so organized that everyone kind of found their seats and then like just like absolutely chilling instead of having to worry about like trying to find a seat because it is hard if you're alone like i've had experiences that are not fun 
Yeah, that's that's so interesting that that's the method. And it's nice to know that it is organized, but also to have to go through that much technology to do it would be exceptionally frustrating to me. I I would yeah. probably give up <laughs> if I had to wait on the internet. But, you know, it's been done. Yeah, I do think it's nice, though, because I'm not the biggest fan of lining up to rush a movie. Because I've, there's certain, like last year at New York Film Festival, people were in line for Dune for eight, not eight, 12 hours. And I was like, this movie comes out in a week. Why, why do you need to see it here so badly? Just go see it in IMAX. Like, okay, Hans and um, Denis will not be there, but also like you've just wasted an entire day is my personal opinion. But the thing that is really cool about Venice is they have so many press and industry screenings. But if those aren't filled up, starting the day before, just anyone with a pass can reserve them. Oh. So, like, and if you you can um, cancel your seats twenty minutes before, so even if you don't have tickets to something, you can kind of just like be really spontaneous about it. Like, we'll talk about a compassionate spy and a couple a little oh. bit, but like those were two things that I was like, I'm not doing anything tonight. There's tickets to the screening i might as well just go like see what's what's going on with these two directors who are like my favorite documentarians ever which makes the blow even worse um which listeners will see as we talk about those two movies which were not i would say not hits yeah but Mm. i don't know i think the reserve seating it definitely has its issues but it does make it nicer but then you don't really have that in line like you just have to hope that you're sitting next to someone who's cool yeah, that <laughs> that is um, – and that was me, like, a lot throughout. I'm like, I hope I sit next to someone who's cool or just not weird. And the other thing, um, were people masked at, at your screenings? Or was, I like, was. Like, I was yeah, like, there's 2,000 people here. I'm not, not wearing a mask. And so, yeah, and then it was um, – I don't know. It was interesting, but also – less people were wearing them than I thought they would considering most people are like retired (laughs) I I understand if it's like a giant movie theater and 10 people are there I'm like okay at that point when it's like a packed house I like this is obviously to each their own I'm just like I don't really feel comfortable not wearing a mask in that environment yeah if it was there's times where like screenings were a little emptier and I'm like not sitting near anyone but when I'm when you're (laughs) like just apart um yeah for sure how are crazy. The, oh sorry go no go ahead i was just gonna say how are the vibes with the seating like i always was so happy that i always hadn't like not always but most of the time i had an aisle seat so i was just like chilling yeah. on the side and like spreading my legs out and everyone else looked like they were going through it there were a few screenings that i was in like the middle and it was like kind of uncomfortable mm-hmm. but i like made the decision to like be in the middle for whatever like there was a Q&A or something yeah but otherwise I, I kind of like was off the side on an aisle like or you know I had like a seat next to me for my bag and it was it was decent so it was a I would say it was split down the middle half and half of like busy and not busy for okay screening so oh my god okay what were you gonna say before I cut you off um oh I think just a huge difference of like you're in like theaters of thousands of people you said and yeah. mine was no more than 500 so yeah i think it's fascinating actually what let me just speak a little bit about like the organization of venice because yes um, it's that's amazing like to know and tell your very organized as well but um. yeah i think like the thing about lido which is the island that it's on part of like the venetian lagoon i think it's a barrier island that makes like the whole lagoon function i don't know um 
like geology like that or i don't even think that's geology which shows that i don't know what i'm talking about but i um so it's basically this separate island that you have to water taxi to um and they open a special line up so that was definitely a thrill um Something yeah. very, very fascinating to me I didn't know about water taxis is the way they dock it is they kind of just ram it into the dock and then like move it ever so slightly so that it lines up. And it's so fascinating. Um, the first, like, were you confused the first time that like they just docked? Were you like, did you crash it too? I had a <laughs> feeling that that's how they would do it for some reason. I was right. like, this just feels like, this seems like the only way to do it because it's a kind of a thin place because- yeah. It's like a specific line dedicated only for the festival. Okay. So yeah, we hit the wall and I was like, all right. <laughs> and then they, they did a great job to all the water taxi operators. Um, there's two for each taxi who are listening great. to this podcast. Thank you for your service. And the, so I think that's like when I first knew like this is going to be such a like different experience because I've never, I'd never even been to Venice. I did not know like the vibes there. Okay. And it's very fascinating. I mean, this is a sidebar, but the way they deliver packages is they have like a DHL boat. So it's just like a boat filled with packages, um, which is so fascinating to me. Yeah, rather than like a little a little car. I think I, I'm glad you brought up your like transportation experience of like water taxi because also Telluride's like transportation, like public transportation is not the usual of like what someone typically experiences. And my first time taking the gondola like in so i'm saying in, in mountain village which love is mountain like, village yeah up the mountain um and so i'm taking the gondola down to telluride to you know do the festival whatever get my pass my first time on the gondola it stops in the yeah. <laughs> and i did not realize that it would ever do that and i'm like okay maybe it's normal like and you know it ends up being normal but yeah to be dangling there <laughs> well so this is curious time. because i don't remember but are they like ski lifts where it bounces up and down when it stops or are they more stable than that? It's more stable. It's like a little Ferris, like large Ferris wheel pod. Like you can fit like six people. Yeah, no, 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 no. But like does it – because sometimes if you stop on a ski lift where it's just like the bar, the rope itself will bounce up and down. So it's like – okay, no, it's, none of that. Yeah, it's much more stable of like hopping on and off and everything. It's – um safe <laughs> and and secure so that's so cool though yeah, it, low makes it more fun than just like walking oh yeah Look, this like, is such a thrill walking up and down the mountain would you imagine <laughs> you would never make it to the movie the movie is the experience you're having of climbing the mountain um yeah 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 so that's fun. yeah fun so to- you basically um so you take the water taxi and then you're in this like I described it as the Lollapalooza of festivals because it's like you walk through security and then you're in this like zone that is just like all these movie theaters that are used solely for the festival and like bars, panini shops. Like there's this pizza oven that I didn't actually end up getting pizza because I wasn't really in that area a lot. And everyone is just sitting on the grass with their Campari spritzes just like talking because (laughs) no one traveled. Actually, a lot of people traveled alone, but like, it was more easy to notice the group of like 20 year olds just like sitting on the lawn and vibing compared to yeah. like someone like me who's just like walking alone trying to get to it, the screening. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's that kind of energy where I there were so many young people and I think it's because it's so accessible for young people 
that it just creates this completely different experience. Would you say that those those young people are mostly like from from Italy or yeah. at least like close? Okay, so a lot of okay. Italians. That was the other thing is it's hard to meet someone because you actually don't know, and then you're like, I would not. I don't. Well, no, I would want to practice my French, but I'm like, if someone was speaking to me in my second language. I don't know how I would feel as much about that. And then like, what if yeah. they don't even speak English? So that was probably on me for just being like, I don't want to risk it. But um, that's something I guess I would have to also encounter because I know even less French than you. I don't know any Italian. And I mean, Italian people are so welcoming, though. So welcoming. Okay. Like, they're, they're just like always, they're like all feel like parental figures. Like, even oh. the guy getting me coffee, I was like, this guy, like, keeps, yeah. like, staring at me and apologizing. And I'm like, it's, it's really not that big of a deal. I don't have it. Um, and, like, he was, like, running to go get my coffee. And I was like, this is just oh really, God. really nice. And it, like, yeah. makes you feel better because it is scary because it's, like, you're in a place where you don't know the language. And Italian and French, I'll say it. I'm saying it on air. Not similar. <laughs> I I don't believe they are at all either. They're – and I don't know if anyone does think they are, but – to my knowledge. I no understand way. like the romance stems and sometimes I'm like these words like alors and alora like are so similar, but like those two languages, no. Yeah. You cannot like if you know French, you will not understand no. Italian unless you like know a little bit more than ciao. Yeah. Anyway. So that okay. that was another thing it was when I landed, I was like, oof, my French is not gonna help me here. Yeah. Um so- I wanted to ask you, so is every screening have um have subtitles then yes and i actually do want to talk about this so thank you for mentioning so every screening has italian subtitles on the screen itself and then this like led thing right below that was english um subtitles oh but to actually see the english subtitles you needed like the five rows in front of you to not have a tall person and that's not very common okay so like half of the time i was like that's why i was glad i was in the aisle because i like had my like entire body diagonal trying to see everything um, okay. on the screen, except for Bardo, which I'll talk about, which is just the worst screening experience. No, um, not the worst. Oh, that's heartbreaking. And he's I, really, really sad about it too. I don't know if you've seen. Oh, it's like, not even the movie. It was, I was the second row in the middle. Oh, of this that was giant the theater. I was yeah. in the corner for Tar, which was like, yeah. So I get it. It's terrible neck problem. And those are both long movies. Like both of them are like 160 above. Yeah. But yeah. Any any final thoughts before we jump into kind of the films we saw? Um I don't think so. Just if you have the chance to to do this, do it. Yeah. Make it work. I was just going to ask are you going to like would you go back if you could? Oh, I I am going to be prepared to get a pass for next year. Like I I really want to go for the 50th. And also like everyone that you're in line with, it's like everyone who has my past, they like repeatedly have that pass. Mm. So people from like years past have like recognized one another. And I already told everyone like, see you next year. So I have to go. <laughs> I want to go. Damn. Yeah. You should definitely come join. But right. you miss Venice. So I know. Choice. I was already checking my school schedule. I was like, let me see if I can even make this happen. Because I was like praying they would shift their... If they, it was just a week earlier, I could go to everything and it would be amazing. But oh, no, sadly, it's not. Move it just a little bit. And then also because then like, I think going to Toronto would be cool. I, I know... I don't Best. Know, 
the I best. I knew you like when you went to Toronto, but mm-hmm. I don't recall when when that was. But it seems um, like the most like wide options for like movies. To- it's the People's Festival where it's like there. Yes, there are industry like there's there's screenings, but there's so many movies and so many screenings. That is just like it's. We can all, we can talk about this separately because like yeah, I, okay. once I start talking about TIFF, I won't stop talking about TIFF. <laughs> okay. Um, also, my last comment is: I think my new dream would to be like to have a press pass because there was press at Telluride that had maybe just been in Venice, but then they were also then going to Toronto and um, what a week! Like what a few weeks have doing that. So that's my new dream is to be on the road. Here's what I'll say about a press pass: is it adds like a so much more intensity from at least my experiences like even in new york which the press screenings are like or it, not even the press screenings the festival spread out like that was the most stressful three weeks of my life because every time you're not at a movie or not doing school you're writing reviews yeah that's i know that's when someone was telling me they're like i have to do like this many and they're like they had already been like ahead of schedule and i was like whoa yeah <laughs> like, even at sundance which i covered um in january like it was at home and I did not leave my apartment for four days because I was like watching movies. I even scheduled when I would watch a movie and then like I would set a time like this by this time I need to have like at least the outline of the review. Um, but it is lovely because like you get access to just earlier screenings and like less crowded screenings that you don't have to like wait as long in line yeah. for. Something about like having seen all of these like first before their their big distribution is like Cool I know we're about to spill some secrets about movies. That being said, we're not going to spoil anything major as we jump into talking about movies. But no attempts. I actually wanted to start with things that, and we don't have to talk about these for a long time. We can kind of group them pretty okay. quickly just so we can get to the movies we did enjoy. Just certain things that were disappointing because that is the thing about a festival is you're kind of taking a gamble with the things that you see. Obviously, you've heard certain things about some things, but things could turn out to be pretty bad or just like, not even bad, just not where you were expecting and not a good way, at least. So out of the yeah. films that you saw, were there any that disappointed you? Um, I just pulled up the list so I can accurately convey <laughs> what I did not like. So the first one I am excited to... Am I allowed to swear? Yeah, why not? Okay, the part of my language. <laughs> what I'm most excited to shit on right now is Lady Chatterley's Lover and what is this movie i've never heard about it until i saw that you logged it oh my goodness it's a it's a remake so we're already starting off pretty rough yeah um i believe it's a book but there this film has been made i want to say this is the fourth adaptation and like keep it like we already have three it's not that story (laughs) and mind you like this is like my friday night film like i didn't have a lot of time to like go see something else after i saw um the wonder and so try night and you know it's a woman director so i'm like really ex- like i'm looking forward to it to being good she's like talking about how the chemistry between the two characters is like amazing mm-hmm. and i never watched bridgerton but imagine that for you know close to two hours but significantly worse and not filled with that much drama and <laughs> and just overall like lacking taste um my yeah, god it'll be um you know did you watch that awful netflix film with dakota johnson um, no but i'm curious because i need to was, see if the quotes are real 
they're real and i would compare it to that i'm pretty sure like netflix will be distributing lady chatterley's lover okay i remember correctly the poster was giving um have you heard of this movie mr malcolm's list that also came out this year because the poster i was like this is the this looks like the same movie just twice and that movie's not very good either oh great (laughs) okay if you make a movie don't make the poster look like either of those (laughs) also don't make the movie like either of those from what it sounds like yeah so um i don't know what i gave it i still haven't finished my like stars rating of everything because i'm still having a hard time and so i'll segue into my next kind of disappointment unless you want to go back and forth do you want to Oh, we could do that because I think we both have three. Yeah, let's go back and forth. Why not? Okay. Yeah, do yours. Um, do so my first disappointment was um, Paul Schrader's Master Gardener, which is a movie I was very excited about. Uh, I was, I didn't think I would be able to get into the whale press screening. I wish I had tried harder after seeing Master Gardener. Okay. But it was a double movie, um, and I'm not going to mention it in my top five, but I did see this film coming to Amazon called Argentina 1985 that is really wonderful, actually. Um, Add it. Smell it. Super comedic for the for the actual plot of this movie. It's about a trial um, about Argentinian uh, dictators who did really, really horrible things. But it has like a tone that I can see why Amazon bought this movie because it's, it's a very clear crowd pleaser. Like I have not heard a crowd laugh at the Venice Film Festival like they did until seeing um, Argentina in 1985. That being said, that is not Master Gardener, which is a movie that I think Paul Schrader actually made, and this is not confirmed, because Obama put the card counter on his top 10 um, list last year, which is definitely... I personally don't think Obama has seen the card counter or is just playing an elaborate joke on himself by putting that on his list. Um just because yeah. for those who have seen the card counter, Oscar. you will know. Okay. Sorry? Oscar, it's Oscar Isaac. Yeah. And it's about yeah. someone yeah. who committed war crimes and then is like regretful of their time. That's why I was shocked when it was on. And I don't wanna I don't wanna speak any more on that. That being said, Paul Schrader did say in an interview that this movie's gonna piss a lot of people off. Obama's not even gonna put it on his top ten. And I'm not I'm not pissed off about it. I don't think I respect Paul Schrader for just kind of taking like the wildest risks. And I think it creates like a very interesting audience experience. I just, the plot of this one didn't really work for me. Um, And I realize now I haven't even gotten into the plot, but that being said, once you hear about the plot, it won't work. So what's your, uh, what's your next one? Um, I'll do compassionate spy next. Cause my third one's like, I was shocked about your third one. Uh, I'll, Oh, wait. In time, uh, in time. And um, so A Compassionate Spy, it's not that I, – I know you mentioned it to me, but I didn't look back at what you had told me about it. But, I, you know, it was – I think it was it was the last of my festival. So mm-hmm. it was kind of a weird way to, to end. Um, and it also – I don't for those who have seen Drunk History, it felt like a long episode of Drunk History. And I don't love that style of documentary or – Me just, neither. It was like those bad crime shows where it's just like bad actors portraying the story, but and it just it didn't work. And I wish like the story was interesting and they could have gone about it gone about it in different ways that made it, you know, more interesting. And also it mentioned you Chicago, which is like a little triggering to me. 
<laughs> ready to hear hear that <laughs> mentioned. And also, they were at like the the film is just about a compassionate spy, haha. But <laughs> Loki, yeah, I was like, this spy seems really compassionate as the movie was going along. But basically, he committed. Tre- Can I? Sp- it's a true story. No, so yeah. but that's like the that's the plot of the movie. I feel like so. Yeah. Um, it's just about this spy who commits he's not even a spy he's just he just commits treason um based on the the a-bomb bomb project and mm-hmm. whatnot so yeah i think it just didn't, it didn't do it for me but cool story they they meant well the his wife you know who was the main character quote unquote um was funny about the whole thing yeah Especially this is one that I did. This is one that I did see. Um, yeah, I, I felt similar about it. I didn't think. I don't think it's bad. Like I, the movies that out of my movies, I think it. I liked it a little bit more than the three that I put as my disappointments. But I would say it is a disappointment because I love Steve James. He's my favorite documentarian, yeah, and so- I think that America, uh, America to me is like one of the best miniseries I've ever seen. And obviously, okay. Hoop Dreams is such a classic that. To make a movie that's just a reenactment doc that feels like a CNN original, but not even a movie that CNN Films bought, like just a movie that was made to premiere on CNN. I, would, I was just CNN, like, what are we doing here? Like CNN's a generous network to give that to. What are we thinking? Like Discovery? <laughs> yeah, seriously, Discovery or E. I'm just kidding. It doesn't, Can you imagine? <laughs> He's like, right after the Kardashians, we've decided to show a movie about the guy who sold secrets to the russians Ugh. honestly if mtv can just show ridiculousness for an entire day it, i wouldn't put it past e <laughs> to do this oh my goodness mtv needs to get it together maybe anyway. mtv should show this movie like in between ridiculousness and i like ridiculousness i'll be honest but like that much of it oh and you have so many other things in in the archives to, i know the to vaults get- are big <laughs> okay anyway <laughs> your your second yeah so i'll i'll jump and save um my third which has already been mentioned as a disappointment for a big reveal for those who joined the podcast at the 40 minute mark so my second is ironically my um my other favorite documentarian his name is frederick wiseman he's known for these like sprawling verite movies about institutions and like his last movie was four hours and about the Boston City Hall. And I was, I guess it was uh, at virtual festivals, but I was seated in front of my computer for four hours, absolutely loving it. Um, I remember I had a nachos break in the middle, but that's, that's a different time. That was 2020. So this is his first narrative film in about 20 years. And it is inspired by the works of Sophie Tolstoy, who's the wife of Leo Tolstoy. It's kind of just a woman walking in the countryside and monologuing for an hour, which is not, and I'm all for like experimental things. I'm like, I I like slow cinema. I like art house things. Mm -hmm. At 8.30 PM, I was just not here for this. I was like, I, frankly, I don't really care. And I hated that I like even thought that, but it's really hard to just listen to someone talk for an hour when like nothing else is happening. Nothing seems connected. Like, yeah. And That's a student it, film, is what that is. That's an iMovie project. But <laughs> Oh my goodness. Not an iMovie project. Would you say 
like the time, like after you're having a full day and then you're watching it, would it have been different seeing it a little bit earlier? No, I would have been bored. <laughs> like if this is my 8 a.m. film, I would have been asleep, even with the coffee, which I didn't do for Tar, which we'll talk about. Yet I was like fully awake during Tar. But yes. um, getting one for me too. So that's yeah. Totally I I don't know. This one just like. It was disappointing because these this was a press screening and then I got into um, A Compassionate Spy. So I was like, oh my God, my two favorite documentarians. What a night. And then like yeah. both of them fell severely under expectations. And I was like, oh. well, you know, this is the yeah. thing about festivals is you like, you win some and you lose some. Speaking sure. of, I need to hear this. Okay. So Armageddon Time is my third debatable disappointment i think i had i liked it originally after seeing it and the more i i sat with it and the more i thought about it i it just i'm like what was what was this about and it i know what it was about it's very autobiographical so it sucks to like say that i didn't really like <laughs> someone's life but <laughs> it's okay i'm about to do that in five minutes so don't worry <laughs> and so, so um I don't know the someone mentioned like they didn't like the the main character which is you know a what is he 12 year old boy 11 year old boy mm-hmm. and it's true like he was just hard it was it was hard to watch and there were so many things that were just not enjoyable about it so it was and it, knowing that that's what happened potentially or it's based upon that like it's interesting I do think um Jeremy Strong did great in my opinion um just considering the only roles i know him in otherwise are so different and seeing like that side of him and um saw him speak before the movie too and he is just so much like kendall roy and in real life (laughs) so funny to me um yeah so but the hearing the director speak too was it it helped a little bit but yeah it, it was kind of underwhelming i thought it'd be a stronger like in different ways too yeah it was aesthetically pleasing but i don't know the story and how it was told and i was like oh okay (laughs) this seems to be the thing for james gray movies like it always seems like it has like a lot of discourse around it like ad astra was the same thing i actually loved ad astra i don't know if you saw it i love ad astra like yeah almost and but that's the other thing is it thinking about like the themes of like that movie and like father son and then mm-hmm. you see this and, like father son and it's like someone obviously has some healing to do <laughs> in, this, in that area and, and and that's what making art is for and like it's very like personal and touches obviously a lot of people but yeah it's, uh, in this case it was just not it just didn't work for me nearly as much as you know his other movies yeah yeah that being said i also it's time to talk about Bardo. Just been teased, I think, four times on this episode. Bardo <laughs> is the newest movie from Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu, the Mexican filmmaker who has, which I didn't know until I was writing my Venice piece. He's won Best Director twice in back-to-back years. So what? He won for Birdman and then The Revenant the next year. I didn't know he like won for The Revenant. I know like Birdman was a, a big deal, but yeah, what? yeah. So I was shocked about that. I mean, he's a good director. His movies like. Yeah, are for very specific crowds. I feel like where a lot of people have problems with every single one of his movies. 
I'm yeah. kind of mixed. I, I, I actually liked Birdman. I was not a Revenant fan. Um, also, not at this time, but we need to talk about Leonardo DiCaprio and that situation. <laughs> it's Unfortunately, it was, it, we, can't, we don't have time to do that here, but in a future episode. Yes. I, um, I had heard For- a little bit about Bardo coming in, specifically that it was the first disappointment of the festival. Oh, and okay. I was like, this is... Yeah, and it's so long. It's so it's- long. I was like, this is really disappointing to hear, knowing that I'm seated in row B of like a row A to ZZ auditorium that large. So I was like, all right, we'll see. Because I heard that it was like eight and a half meets all that jazz, which are two of my favorite movies. And it kind um, of is that where it's yes. like stuck in someone's subconscious as he tries to figure out his identity and like all of these various facets of his life yeah but the thing about the autobiographical movies is that they need to be a story that is confined to the person telling them but to the audience seeing it as well the reason i love all that jazz is because in like a really really messed up way it the main character is relatable and like the things that he does and like the idea of yeah. Wanting to pursue things for yourself and like sacrificing things for others. That's not to say like I'm the worst person in the world, which makes it sound like I am now. But also it's funny because I was going to say the worst person in the world is another like example of a movie of like a main character that's like flawed but really relatable. Yeah, exactly. So, Whereas like. Terminology. <laughs> and like for example, like The Hand of God, there's a lot of. Cri- I don't know if you've seen the Paulo Sorrentino movie, The Hand of God. Um, I, I, I also have it. Jazz, but I was going to bring it up. And when I mention a different movie, because I know you like it. So it's It's so good. If you're flying Delta soon, it's for some reason it's on Delta. And it's funny because it's like impossible to find in the United States. That is very good to know. Because yeah. I, have a, I have like a Delta card. So let's go. It also just doesn't seem like a Delta film. Like, I don't know if I would want to be watching it on a plane where people can see your screen. Oh, just there's like it's one like- sequence that I'm like, I guess. And also, I don't want to see I don't want anyone to have to watch me have an existential crisis while at cruising altitude. Anyway, great movie. Um, And I think that Bardo, aesthetically, I like what he's going for. I think that, well, when you have a three-hour movie and a guy who definitely knows how to direct, you're going to get some cool visuals. Okay. I also was thinking like midway through the movie, I'm like, help, I'm trapped in this guy's subconscious and I don't know how to get out because... It's yes. so narratively all over the place. It's thematically all over the place. And I think when you make it autobiographical, you can kind of say that it's my story and that's kind of an excuse. But it just yeah. came off as really self-indulgent and egocentric. Oh, that's oh, that's hard. And knowing that he's like sad, people are like missing the point, he says. And Well, he said um, people are like racist for not understanding it. Oh my gosh. Like, I was like, hundred. I was in the second row. What do you want from me? I broke my <laughs> neck to experience all 175 minutes of this. Yeah. Um, I was waiting in line for the movie after Bardo and a lot of people were leaving the film like early. Um, yeah. I, I also, that happened at my screening as well. Yeah. And so people were getting in, in line around me and I had only said like, oh, my friend saw it in Venice and, and said some interesting things. And I, I misquote you to like many people, but basically like, I had to sum up what you had told me like quickly so I could stop talking about it as fast as possible. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I called it a fever dream. It, which, it like, was a fever that was, dream. That was my summary of like what you had told me to 
all of these people that walked out of it and they all agreed like it was very much like a, a fever dream like an existential fever dream and um yeah, yeah it, it's too long for that i would say I think like. it's too long for that. The threads don't really come together because, like, mm. it, I love when directors do autobiographies. Like, The Fablemans, my most anticipated movie of the year, which is the Steven Spielberg autobiographical movie coming out in, I think, November in the States, which I'm devastated that it's not coming out here at that time because I really, really would like to see this movie. Okay. I've seen I, – I just, like, read about it this week, I think. So. I think we'll be hearing about it today or tomorrow um or at least by whenever this episode comes out because it is premiering at tiff i'm assuming weekend ones is kind of a big big deal but yeah this one just nothing nothing ended up clicking i felt like drained by the end of it i really wanted a sandwich and i didn't have time to get one before the movie so i was hungry and like all my criticisms sound like personal things but i just like if you start feeling this way that early into the movie it's really hard to think another way it's like um if you like certain elements of a film bug you you can't stop thinking about that for the rest of the movie because it will keep recurring and this is why i always say like if there's a bad wes anderson movie and you figure it out early then everything will be like a nightmare for you and that's kind of how i felt with bardo sorry what do you feel that way about with like wes anderson french dispatch i'm not a french dispatch fan We'll talk about that another day, yeah. but we'll, we'll rope Kayvon into that because he's the actually the one who like worded it best. Where it's like, I I wouldn't even say this about Wes Anderson. I would say this about like Bardo. Shout out, shout out to him. Happy shout out belated. to Kayvon. Happy belated. Yeah. Um, it's like when a movie is good. Obviously, it's good. You enjoy it. When a movie is bad, it's like from someone that you know and have seen movies and like have liked movies in the past and has a good premise. It's really bad. So I think that was the problem with Bardo for me. Is that like I noticed things and then I was like, I can't stop thinking about this. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. That being said, it's coming out in theaters for a long time before Netflix. I think it's a month and a half. So I think it's on Netflix around November, December. Okay. But Maybe it'll t- it'll definitely be at Chicago too. I don't know if I'm going to pay to go see it. Yeah. yeah. Might take my time and money elsewhere. Let's talk about movies that are worth your time and money. <laughs> yes. Cortland. Um, um, do you want to go? We should go. Actually, well, let's... we can talk about. Whoa. How about. Yeah, because there, there's conflicts of interest here. Honestly. I thought we had. No. Sorry. I thought we had the same number one. So I'm going to I'm going to flip mine and we do have the same number one in my number two. Okay, okay. That is listed. Well, okay, we, while we you do that, I'll just go ahead and get started then. So my number five is a movie that is in theaters right now. It is coming out on Netflix, I believe, on the 23rd of September. It's called Athena. I was a bit apprehensive about this just because I'd like seen the only review I'd seen was mixed, but I was very intrigued because the opening sentence was like it used the critic who's david ehrlich for um indywire used a cuss word in the opening sentence to describe how insane the opening scene is so i was like all right and i remember i needed to use the bathroom before it was like nope because i have to see the scene and see what he's talking about and he's correct it is like the most insane opening sequence where i don't want to spoil anything going on but it's pretty significant and like a very very obvious hint at what's about to come which is 
probably the most like athletic filmmaking that I've seen in a very long time. There are a lot of one takes in this movie, a lot of like perfectly oriented steady cam to capture what is essentially three days of chaos after three brothers, younger sibling is killed at the hands of police brutality. It is, it is tough to get through. It is intense. It is relentless in the way that you have to watch this action unfold. But at the same time, you do connect with the central characters in a way that I think is very fascinating given that they're essentially not given any backstory or very limited backstory. And you're introduced to them in these scenes that are so, I wouldn't say hard to follow, but just there's so much going on that you really have to like tune yourself in. And um, yeah, so I think Athena is very good. I would 100% if you're in a city where this is showing on the big screen, it's a must see on the big screen. Okay. I, I'm i excited because I know you mentioned it to me and it, it wasn't at, at Telluride. I'm curious if it'll be like at Chicago or anything. I'm, I'm a little, I don't think it will be because it comes out on Netflix in two weeks. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's one of the early oh. releasers. Okay. That's, I'm excited. Yeah. It is a chaotic 97 minutes, but yeah. definitely, um, definitely well made. Okay. I um I have a tied number five and one of I'll talk about the one that you had seen at Sundance that I didn't realize that you had seen prior to me seeing it. Um last weekend is Living. Mm-hmm. And so I saw that really late. It was my last screening on maybe like Sunday. And it was, I was so tired. Like I was fidgety the whole movie, but I knew like I, it was so beautiful. It was a really like beautiful movie. And so I think that's part of like why it's so high for me, but also just the story was really um, well done. I didn't expect it to unfold as early as it did. Mm-hmm. Like the, I don't know what to call that moment in that spoil, yeah. but it happened a lot sooner than um, I expected, and the, uh, the acting was great. And so that it was just kind of like up there with like best of the weekend for me. But my other like the one that's tied with is Broker. And I'm I think so people, curious. Yeah, I think people had a very um, misconception of what it was going to be like because of the main actor whose name is escaping me. Right Song Kang Ho. Yes, thank you. Everyone's like, there. I wanted another Parasite, or I thought it would be like Parasite, and it's like this is a different director. <laughs> he's also not for nothing. He's my favorite director, and, or he's in my top five. Yeah, Hirokazu yeah, Koreeda. So, um, yeah, I was like, it's it's it was a very different story, but it was it was very good. I saw someone's review kind of mention it had like Little Miss Sunshine um, feel to it, which I would say is like really accurate. Um, you know, easy, popular movie to compare it to. Um, yeah, it was good. The um, All the characters I thought had, like, really great, um, like, qualities and that meshing together and the story and all of that was, was really good. So, number five. Still, I wish it was a little more exciting. That's why I would say it's not higher up, but... Yeah. Have you seen any of his other movies? Shoplifters, okay. I think, is... watch still walking it will emotionally destroy you but it is amazing like absolutely astonishing um 
So, yeah. I, have you seen Ikiru? This is related to Living, the Kurosawa movie that it's based off of. No, but I knew that. I heard, like, reading it was a remake before, I was, like, not excited. Yeah, then that's I, how I felt. And then I realized the original story is probably significantly better. And I also had just finished, like, a translated book before like going to the festival so i've been thinking a lot about things being lost in translation and i think there's probably essences to living that were lost from the original so have you seen it i love it it has my at least now because i need to like dive more into kurosawa stuff but it has my favorite shot from any kurosawa movie in it um it's not my favorite kurosawa movie because i think high and low is just astonishing but it is one that like it's that kind of movie where you're in it and then after you're like, oh my God, this is incredible. And I was I was excited and worried for living similar as you because I love Kazuo Ishiguro, the author um who adapted it. He's written like I don't know, have you seen have you read Never Let Me Go or Remains of the Day? Which are actually both movies too. Okay. He's awesome. He's a Nobel Prize winner too. Um so I knew it was in good hands. And I, I think to make a remake that is good. And has that as its source material is like prize worthy in itself. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, so I, I watched the original like that. It's on my list to do, so I can like have a better understanding almost of how well Living is and compared to it. Yeah, of course. So just quickly about my number four, um, it is a Japanese movie called A Man that I was again not really expecting to connect with as much. It's basically, it starts off very deviously as a family drama about kind of this um, single mother who finds this guy and they meet in the shop where she works and fall in love. And then it jumps to, I think, three or five years later. So basically, like, this family is living happily together. And then the husband slash dad dies. And it's like this complete shock until the actual plot of the movie begins. And it's that this person was the husband and dad was lying about his identity and no one actually knows who he is. And usually when movies take like those kinds of turns, I'm like, Oh no, I'm already like removed from this, but I found myself so invested in this story. And then it takes turns that I don't think would work for everyone, but completely worked for me, such as like kind of this idea of someone with the past that they're trying to get rid of and, how the things that affect you when you're a kid kind of follow you and haunt you in adulthood. And the idea of what even is love? Can you love someone even if you don't know something about them? And if something about them is that big, how does it affect the way that you have a relationship with them before and after they're with you? I think yours, like everything you just like said and like summing that up is a really good comparison to my number four as well. Oh my God, please dive in. Also, I want to say, I just looked up the, a man and the poster. I really like the poster for it. It's, um, I, yeah, like, it's the, the opening big- shot of the film as well. It also has the best abrupt ending in a movie I've seen this year where like everyone in the audience reacted to, we were all like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I want- great Did movie. You, say, you know, when it will be like released elsewhere, like distributed, I I know it's being distributed by the Match Factory because it's the first time I've seen their logo now that they've been bought by Mubi, um, which I will forever argue is the best streaming service. But I imagine it will come out early next year, I would say. 
Okay. It's definitely one of like something that I wouldn't have known about unless I just decided to see it at a festival and was like completely entranced by it, we'll say. That's beautiful. Um, so my number four is the very anticipated bones and all, um, our, our boy Timmy and, but more, more importantly, truthfully, like his co-star and like the main, like star of the film, Taylor Russell. The um, best. She's the best. Everyone, everyone is saying like, they're shocked, like, or they're impressed and everything. And I've known my girls got it since waves. Um, that, that movie per, like destroyed me for some reason. Like that was, I loved waves. I loved Waves, and some people it didn't like. It's it. controversial, yeah. I, I wasn't thinking that it was going to be such like a controversial movie, but oh, and yeah, that that was a separate, but like that proved you know her ability and and everything. So, but I'm happy people like now fully like she has a second one that like shows that she she's really got it, and um, yeah, kind of just like you're saying the what you kind of inherit. Or I saw Mark Rylance speak before I saw like the film but and then he also spoke before the film too and um he just mentioned like this this trauma or you know anything you inherit from your parents that like go with you and how do you um how do you live with that and how do you you know move on from it potentially or just incorporate it into your being now and um yeah I thought that was really accurate and they really just um we're driving in the fact that you shouldn't view this as a horror or um, like just you got to move past that part. And it's true. Yeah. Like they really were like, this is a love story. And to me, it was like very coming of age. Um, yeah. I, if you're, if you're squeamish, like you're going to, you're going to be squeamish <laughs> through it. That's yeah. it is, what it is. but um, I think it's very like worth, worth the time. Also just, um, I think it's it's known it's about cannibalism. So um, it's funny that like Luca and Timmy like working together again on like a cannibalism film like without their prior like cannibalism <laughs> co-star <laughs> is like very. <laughs> it's his biography. Yeah, the Hammer biography. Yeah, yeah. And- I I was not as crazy about this one. I do like what they were going for, and talk about a movie that gets a crowd reacting. Yes. Like people were the the girl yeah. next to me or the woman next to me god help her soul was just really going through it i was like i'm so sorry it's like very viscerally reacting to everything from that opening scene i wanted to say like there are a lot of people laughing during my screening and i think i was at the first screening um in telluride of the film and yeah it was there was a lot of laughs um throughout it which i thought was like funny or people maybe reacting and like making you know people react to like by laughing and making light of something that makes them uncomfortable so yeah there was a lot of that which was also kind of different about it yeah i um i'm curious to read the book i also um i saw call me by your name before i read the book and i i loved the movie so much and i loved the book and even read it after so i think i'm gonna do the same for, for this. yeah i didn't even know it was a book until the credits it's like oh interesting yeah, so I'm curious. But yeah, that's my my number four. Okay, so my number three is this movie um, from Laura Poitras. It's called All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. 
This was the first of two movies that I got to see in like the main theater with the cast and crew. And that's not like not that's not too common at Venice because it's not like they do Q and A's after every film. Film, sorry, which is um more in light with like TIFF in New York and even Chicago sometimes. Um, oh. so this is basically a documentary about Nan Golden, who is a um very very famous photographer, and her fight against the Sackler family, the family that developed OxyContin, and basically single handedly started the. Oxycontin and um, opioid opioid epidemic in the United States, and this one yeah, knocked me out because it is it is two di- very different stories, and I can see that being people's criticism of it is like it's not really about her fight as much as it is a portrait about her life and the the things that she has gone through, and I actually think that is why I liked it so much because I walked away just really understanding everything that has led her to her fight in activism and i think that it kind of gives everything context because the way that this activist group that is called i believe pain kind of functions is that their main thing was trying to get the sackler family's name off of museum galleries because the sacklers have donated to all these different museums so they would go to places like the guggenheim and the met and stage protests inside the museum so i think that like seeing that and then jumping back and like hearing about Golden's life and kind of finding a break in New York in a time, um, in a very different time for New York, I thought was just so fascinating and so interesting. And also like devastating, just hearing about this family that has single-handedly ruined the lives of 500,000 Americans and their families and counting. There's one line where I don't want to... Actually, I don't even want to spoil the line, but like I was feeling so wiped out by the end of this movie and it is so well made. And it was like the only because I think the standing ovations for like 10 minutes, I'm like, all right, let's get to move on. But like I was clapping the entire time because I was like, this movie is incredible. Wow. Yeah. The the record breaking standing ovation in the spit gate. Um, Oh, my God. I was not there for that. (laughs) <laughs> that was a short standing ovation too because usually the shorter ones mean that it's bad yeah and and i know um florence poe like left during it i know <laughs> i'm writing a piece on this right now I'll probably be out by time this drops uh, i'm excited to to read more about it and overall I'm excited to see to see that infamous film <laughs> that has bad ratings um okay so all beauty in the bloodshed. It was good. Recommend it. Very good. Very okay. good. Recommend it. It's playing at TIFF um, for those who are at the Toronto International Film Festival and listening to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, my number three, I think it's it's been I've it's crazy like leaving and now I'm seeing trailers for all of these on my socials. Mm. Um, my number three is close. It's a French film. Um, I just looked it up. Lucas Don, is that how you say that? Yeah. That, I think so. So, oh, beautiful, beautiful film. Like, film. Excuse me. Both of us are <laughs> struggling with <laughs> to say it so much. <laughs> um, no, beautiful film. Um, the way the director met the main character was on a train. Um, That's crazy. Yes. Like, he, he goes up to this boy and do you want to be in my movie? And it was funny because they're retelling the story during the, the Q&A and 
the director's like, well, it was much more complex than that because, you know, he's a child. Um, <laughs> he's like 15. Um, <laughs> and he, it's his first, you know, big, big film. And he does so well. It's so emotional. It's one of those I, I've heard was sad and that people were crying and I didn't read too much about it, but it's anything that has um, like childhood connection involved is going to like obviously pull it pull people's heartstrings because of like the whole feeling your inner child movement not like yeah. it's a good thing that that's like so popular and um what's that well i've heard there's a twist in this movie i don't yes. know what the twist is but that's the only thing i know about this movie is that there's like a giant twist yes and so i did not read like anything prior to when you go and oh god it's just it really like the before and after and just like the progression of like this, the actor like portraying like and going through like all these like really heavy emotions. It's, it's so like beautiful to watch, but like so, so heartbreaking. And it's, yeah, to know also like there's aspects of it, of the director's like personal story and how it connects like with so many of us, just, you know, relationships and how they ebb and flow and, everything and and I'm you know doing my best to like tiptoe around the daunting change and like but go see it it just know you'll I didn't I didn't cry I also have a really hard time crying in large groups of people yeah um, valid but um it definitely I was like oh for the rest of the movie and like walking out of the theater I, I felt a little sad for the remainder of the day I think it'll be a, a big hit. I forget it was picked up by. I, I believe A24. Thank you. Yeah, A24. So I'm excited to see it. I'm, it comes out, I think, earlier here because it was a can oh. movie. But okay. I will yeah. let you know what I think pronto. Yeah. Please. But no, you'll be a little. I, if you're not a little sad, like, are you okay? But <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, just prepare to be sad. So my second movie is a TV show. So I cheated a little bit. But I feel like I've earned it because I sat in a movie theater seat for five hours to watch every episode in Lars von Trier's The Kingdom Exodus, which is the third season of his Kingdom series that he started in the 1990s. Streaming on Canopy, I think movie is restoring it and putting it on their service when Exodus comes out because they also own the rights to Exodus. It is Grey's Anatomy, spirits and demons it's like the only way i can think of describing it it is basically about this danish hospital that is plagued by these spirits and a like a dark history but also just a lot of inner workplace drama because everyone hates everyone and the thing about von trier stuff is it's interesting to watch the kingdom one and two which are both great and then see this because it's separated by like 25 years of really, really intense movies like Nymphomaniac, Melancholia, The House That Jack Built. So I was worried. I was like, how are they going to continue the tone of the show when it's so far removed? No, he knows how to continue the tone of this show when it's so far removed because it is laugh out loud funny. And really? So your, your like screening experience for this was all episodes at once? It was three, 20-minute intermission, and then two. And people would just, 
a lot of people left after the not a lot of people like the most i saw people leave was after the pilot and then after the second episode Um, but it's definitely something that and i don't really believe in binging but i i didn't mind consuming it all at once because yeah a lot of the things the threads are so funny to me that i would have wanted to see it with an audience regardless um because there's this whole one of the doctors is Swedish, so there's this whole Swedish versus Den- uh, Sweden versus Denmark thing going on that is honestly just funny because then the most obscure things happen and you're just entranced by like, what the hell is going on at this hospital? Why is everyone acting like this? In a way that just works. Like the dark humor is very um, amazing. The casting okay. crew were there. They also braved it out. Um, sadly, Von Trier could not be there because... Um, I wasn't sure the reasons, but he had an intro recorded that everyone started clapping for right as it opened. And there's something so heartwarming to me about Von Trier thanking everyone for like braving the five hours and like clapping for us while everyone claps for him and kind of this like moment of connectivity, even though he wasn't there. And yeah. I, I don't know. I this I had really high expectations for this. I okay. I don't go into five hour things for nothing, and I expectations. Yeah, I thought it was amazing. Cool. Okay. I um I haven't seen any of the three. Sorry to put them on my watch. Definitely watch them. They're yeah. some of the most batshit stuff happens in them that is just you have to see it to believe it. Yeah. I'm so curious always how you pack so much into your everyday life. You watch so so many movies and you read so many books and so I'm like always trying to keep up. You're my my barometer of like how I'm doing for a year and Oh my like, god, please do not use me as a barometer. I seriously, I don't know how you do it. Seriously, like a lot of commute, very long commute times. <laughs> but um, thank you, I appreciate it. No, it's, and not having a life helps. So this is your. It's like this is the best way to experience life <laughs> through other stories. Yeah, through the lens of other people's <laughs> stories. No, it's, it's just like <laughs> that was one thank thing. You, I like back to the festival and the overall vibe is like with Telluride and apparently like this is very different than like attending Sundance in person um, is that everyone genuinely has like this love for like film and like what and like I'm not even I'm still like kind of baby cinephile like I don't know all of the technicalities or all of these things and um, you know as I like develop more myself it's still like great to see like and also, like, a lot of these people are significantly older than me. Like, they've had much more time to experience more. And that's, I think, what's crazy for, like, you is, like, you still have experienced so much. And, like, you're even younger than I am. And, you know, there's still so much more, like, to keep up with. And then things you have to revert back to. And, um, yeah, just it's nice being surrounded by a lot of people um, that have that same passion and appreciation. It makes, it makes for an interesting combo, too. Because yes. you can always find a movie that you've seen with someone else in the crowd yes. if all else fails. Yeah. And even not, that's like you can still say, oh, I want to see this. And like also I was, I was telling someone like I'm more inclined to like see something after I meet someone who has like a strong appreciation for it. Or yep. like, 100%. like um, I think like someone told me their one of their favorites, their top four was like There Will Be Blood. And like I haven't seen it, so I'm like, okay, now I'm gonna, I'll be more inclined. Oh my to god, watch. you need to watch. You need to yeah. watch it. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, cool. Um, my number two, which I edited. Controversial. 
number one. It is controversial. It is probably the, um, I will say my top five, I went with like what I thought was best that I saw, but this one has my bias of um, like emotional like tie. And like I said, like I am not one to cry in a room full of people. And this movie had me tearing up like multiple different times, like throughout. And that would be Empire of Light. Um, it has Olivia Coleman. Um, it's a Sam Mendes film. And yeah, it just, I don't, I couldn't really like sum up what, what his purpose was <laughs> of the movie. Um, and that's, and that's why it's, it's a very controversial number two is because I don't fully understand like what, what his purpose was or everything. And also the summary of it makes me so upset. I'm going to read it because I think it's really ill-fitting um, for the for the film. Why is mm-hmm. it not happening? Okay. It's a, yeah, it's very short, like one, one sentence. A love story set in and around an old cinema on the south coast of England in the 1980s. It doesn't offer much. I yeah. would not refer this to as a love story. Um, are there romantic elements in it? Sure, but it's very i just i wouldn't call it a love story that's so misleading um to all that it has and i can't even accurately describe all that it has because it's just such a weird experience and i i think i relate to it too and like it's a small work setting and like i i'm in like a similar place there and it's just kind of like a finding yourself or like i don't know i don't know how to describe it but it made me feel a lot of things and I think, you know, if that's, I think that's what art and movies should do. And uh, I thought it did a good job of doing that. So that's why it's my number two. And it's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful movie. I'm very curious about this. I'm historically not a Mendes fan. I did not yeah. like 1917, which caused a lot of drama with everyone else in the world who seemed to really like 1917. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm curious about this. Is Coleman Gray as usual? Oh, amazing. Okay. I hope she wouldn't get gypped. And it's interesting, you know, cause last year she had, um, the lost daughter at Telluride and, um, two very like strong performances of like her being the lead that she's so good in the lost daughter. And I don't even yeah. like the lost daughter that much. And she, I would say you'll, you'll feel the same about this. Most likely you might okay. not like, but she does so well. And so does, um, her like co-star. I don't recall his name though. Okay. Like, I'm curious. I'm curious. Yeah. It does have the one thing, um, like, not really liking Sam Mendes' film is, like, I didn't really love Revolutionary Road. It's like Yeah, I did not like Revolutionary Road either. To still not like it that much. And then I watched American Beauty at, like, a weird age for, like, a class. (laughs) 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 And this, like, somewhat has, like, American Beauty vibes in problematic ways. But some people focus too much on that. Like the woman who would watch it next to me, she instantly like turns to me and she's like, I hated that. And I was like, I didn't <laughs> ask, but <laughs> like, thanks. Was that the first time you guys had talked or? Um, yeah, kind of. <laughs> like, like kind of a slay. She was talking with people behind me and like, I was like part of their conversation prior to her <laughs> entering it. And then she's like, what'd you think? I hated it. I'm like. I liked it. <laughs> that's the so, best way to start a conversation is just to like yeah. give your thoughts without that's the thing. <laughs> Did you have this before we get into our number one where like you would talk yeah. to someone and then like 40 minutes later you'd be like, yo, what's your name? 
Like, I feel like I did not. Yeah. Every single time. It was so funny. I'm like, what'd you say your name was? They're like, we, we didn't do that. And I was like, you're so right. I, um, like, I went days without knowing this girl's name. <laughs> I was like, hey. What was crazy, though, is that someone came up to me who I had not met, but they had to, like, overhear me in line. And they're like, your name's Cortland? And I was like, yes. <laughs> and they're like, oh, like, I'm I'm from Chicago. Like, I live on a street, Cortland, in Chicago. And I was like, literally no way. <laughs> like, that's how I got my name. And also, like, I'm from Chicago. So, like, what are the odds that not only, like, you live on my street, but you overheard me, like, at this festival and, like, my name reminded you of that, too. So, very small world one but two like just yeah names that is crazy (laughs) right (laughs) speaking of names let's get into our number one this is a joint number one this is allyship italy and i guess the u.s italy and colorado are allying for (laughs) in our opinion the best film of the festivals it's tar todd fields Uh, first film in many years oh many which is yeah, crazy. It's been a long time. Yeah, um, they all. I felt bad. They all seemed so tired, like for um, my screening, because I feel like they had derived <laughs> from Venice. So, oh wow! I had mentioned earlier, like this was the one I had like the most difficult experience for before the movie. Yeah. Wait, just before we get into it. So basically, Tar is about a composer who's like. I would say slowly breaking down as her life becomes ever more complicated without revealing too much. I will say it took the turn it took out the way the story went. I wasn't expecting that. That's why, yeah. It was I my agree. biggest discourse of the weekend, like afterwards, because I still like don't entirely know like the stance on it of like the topics that they were like, you know, what the story was about. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to take away still, but it's it was so good. She did so well. And like I was saying, interesting screening experience. But beforehand, the theater was playing music and they weren't doing that for any other film. Like they were playing like Looney Tunes, like sounds, yeah. but not. Um, <laughs> it was because it was the Chuck Jones cinema. So like that's why it was like Looney Tune themed. Okay, okay. Just, it wasn't super random to play. Looney I didn't think Tunes. you meant actual Looney Tunes sounds until you like elaborated. No, I yes, thought. literally Looney Tunes sounds. And so the theater's playing music beforehand and they're playing Beyonce's Renaissance. Yeah, they are, which we need to discuss Renaissance real quick. Yes, we do. And so, but I'm, I was like, I had been at this theater all weekend and I asked the theater manager, like, who's playing Renaissance? Like, why like why today i and i was listening like i was getting ready to renaissance and so i'm enjoying this like masterful art before i'm gonna go see tar and i show up to tar and they're playing it again and i'm having like let's go i'm struggling to find a seat but i'm really enjoying listening to like virgo's groove (laughs) and and having a great time you know i find out that kate blanchett was the one to decide to play it before her film. And I, I wish I could have asked her as to why, but I'm not complaining. She clearly has great taste. And um, yeah, that's, it was a, such a good time. Such a, she did so well. I'm really curious about the daughter's role in the film. They really like hyped her up in the summary and 
um yeah yeah the letterbox summary is not <laughs> that yeah. is not what this movie's about not at all so i'm yeah i don't know what do you what do you think like i thought it was very sharp like everything about it and the more i think about it it just feels like the story has a lot of like corners if that makes sense like everything felt very punctual like you i noticed there wasn't a lot of camera movement in a lot of these scenes which is a testament to the way kate blanchett can like yes drop a monologue on us but um the her monologues like and stronger in like the first half truly captivated and it made it made me like her like you don't even she's being not a good person yeah (laughs) she's she's a terrible person still are like so captivated by like all that she's saying and like it's her role is just very it's very believable like this is a that was a real thing to me um i think the way that they like because i knew that it was had something to do and this is like the main thing about it it's it's not the main thing about the movie but it is like the main thing that people are mentioning is it's like a take on cancel culture in a way yeah okay but the way that they do it is that for the first hour there's so many little things that she says that you're like this could be the one I don't know if you have this, but like in the opening, it opens with like an interview from the New Yorker, which is a great way of delivering exposition, by yes. the way. Um, there were like five things she said that I was like, ooh, this is like not something I would be saying to a crowd at least. And like, I think that does an amazing job at setting up like how egotistic this person is. And like yes. this idea of having this immense talent that you don't actually hear that much because yeah. like, I, I don't want to like dive into what makes music what makes an orchestra work which i I guess it is the conductor but like yeah this idea that you don't really get to hear her music because she's a conductor as she explains all of these things and then you finally do end up hearing it for at least a little bit but that's not really what the movie's about exactly and are you saying you end up hearing it with like the ending like how how it ends no but i love the ending scene so much i started laughing and i was the only person who laughed yeah really yeah, I don't think I don't think everyone was understanding it. Did it hit? Because <laughs> I, wow. I was like, "There's no way." When they brought, I, I can't spoil it. No, yeah, but, but like when they, you know, pan to where we're at at the end, that was it was gold. Um, yeah, I, I, I just it was so enjoyable, but also like insufferable in some ways because of yeah. like stop being like that or like you know and um or like i wish it was i wish it wasn't that way and um it, it also like they hide things from you so well like even her relationship with um yes. her first violinist there's so much like yes, more so- there that i like they weren't diving into which is a very purposeful but like it kind of adds this mysterious aura where like you don't you know so much about the main character lydia tar but mm-hmm. i i I like saying Lydia Tar, like as like one entity. Yes. Um, but like at the same time, there's so much about her and her life that you've watched, but don't really know what any of it means. No, exactly. And so that's why, like, I, I wasn't trying to play devil's advocate when discussing this with people, but like you had mentioned, it's a take on cancel culture. And I, I did like have doubts of like, is, is this accurate? Because I felt like there was so much we didn't know. And like, I don't know if that's like what, you know Todd Fields is in the movie stances it's like sometimes we don't know things like is that his driving purpose because also you know it, it leads to like 
how it happens in the industry. And, you know, like they have their peers that are like facing those kind of things often. Um, so I don't know. I'm just so, I'm so curious about how they came up with this and kind of their conversations like of like what the true intention was or yeah. And they didn't yeah. touch on that too much either. Like um, at the, at the like Q and a I was at. So very, well, just another thing that fascinated me was like, I don't know if you felt this way, but it didn't feel like very mountainous, like the way that the stakes in many screenplays and films rise super like quickly and you can like really feel the tension increasing. You felt the tension increasing, but like, the way that the film is structured, in my opinion, is like you kind of do feel this like sense of repetitiveness and like kind of like hanging low to the ground in terms of stakes. But when things rise, you can feel it rise like really, really slightly to the point where it'll be like a comment in a scene or just like one yeah. certain event and it moves on so quickly that like you know something is obviously going to happen because like all of these things are even coming out. And even with the cancel culture thing, like the way that that's even introduced in the movie is so low key. I feel like yeah. in context of the story where it's, if you miss it, you wouldn't even know that it's the driving factor of everything happening on screen. Yes. No, exactly. And so, um, and even, even so, like if you do miss it, like are you subconsciously missing it and like just like overlooking it to yeah. stay focused on like, you know, how, how great this person is. And, and um, so, yeah, it's, there's a lot, there's so much to it. Like even now I could seriously go on, probably forever about the different ways you can watch this movie. And it seems like something, even though it's not that complex, it like you could watch it so many times and pick up on so many different things. It mm. seems. So. Yeah. It is a good movie. It's, um, I'm excited to, for the, the soundtrack and ugh, the score and everything. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Any final thoughts as we wrap up? Veluride, tennis, <laughs> which sounds too close to Tenet, the greatest movie of all time. Tenet, so that was, I think that was my first pod, was the Tenet pod. Never um, forget. Yeah. Race car radar Tenet or radar race car Tenet. <laughs> I need to rewatch Tenet. It's been too long. It's been a while. I watched it so much last year <laughs> that I, I needed a break, but it's time. I feel like I'm a, like my fall feels like a heavy rewatch season for me. Yeah, that's um, similar for you. But um, closing thoughts, go to a festival if you can. Like I had the best time of my life and I know I'm going to go back and have the best time of my life yet again. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. And there's I I would say there's a lot of good movies coming is the vibe I was getting. I think that it is a weaker, I think it's a weaker year is the energy I was getting. A lot of things did not seem to be Besides Tar and I guess Bones and All would be another one. Like I wasn't really seeing things that were getting like a lot and a lot of praise. It seemed like a lot of things had mixed reviews, like Loki trending towards negative reviews. Yes. And I also, I don't feel that there's going to be the like global phenomena film. Yeah. Kind of like, like, even, even so like everyone kept mentioning everything everywhere all at once nothing to do with Telluride but like that's something like that clearly had such a significant worldwide impact whereas like I'm not sure outside of Tar what's gonna really reach every corner or um, have that entire not mixed like review so 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's just like a kind of an echo of the time right now. Whereas I feel like even go to like your local AMC, your local movie theater, there's not good things out. Like it's been a very, very dry season for movies. Because I think like the, I think it's something with COVID. Like it must be the production is like finally, because even in 2021, they had all the 2020 movies, like the um, Wes Anderson and like Dune and all of these things. Whereas I feel like this year, there's nothing like that I think people would wait 12 hours to go see outside of Lincoln Center. Yeah, that's such a long time. That is so I know, ridiculous. it's insane. There shouldn't be anything that anyone would wait to 12 hours outside to go see. Yeah, I, I'm looking at like what's at my local theater right now and like nothing. It's they, bad. Indians, Rise of Gru. Yeah, like, the bullet train is still like Train still making yep. money, yeah, selling out showings because there's nothing else for people to see. Yeah, um, you saw, I mean, nope, I, I think it's still kind of like playing out there. That's probably the closest thing to being best. Nope best is out. great. We need to do a nope pod. Oh, yeah, we should do a Jordan Peele pod. Yeah, sure. I loved nope. Did you like nope? I did, I liked it. I it's not my favorite, but my favorite's like controversial i suppose so is we'll it us it. yes really i like us too i i didn't know people didn't like us right i didn't yeah. know until i claimed it as my favorite and people were like it was blah, no, blah. But like if anyone is listening can you like give us a timeline on when people stopped really liking us because i remember everyone loved it when it first what? came out yeah no i after bringing up like nope and like that and i was like oh it's not the best i like us and people are like what but <laughs> <laughs> it's like, do you have taste? But I think it's people are it's not to slight anyone's opinions on how they feel and approach film, but Get Out was like the first like intellectual film people engaged with in a while. And yeah. they were so caught up on like how, and it was, you know, it was the times, it was 2017, like it was a rough few months already. <laughs> and um, so I think that people were just really caught up on his like, get out. And that's why even now, like Nope isn't receiving as much praise as I think it deserves because people are still like looking for get out. And it's like, no, like there are these other really amazing ways to approach like horror and he's doing it so well. Um, yeah. And which, I also just think it's like, it's awesome. It's so cool looking. It'll be the one that out of these three movies right now, if I had to watch one, and this is not recency bias, it's like, it's been a long day. Like we're on a hundred minutes of value ride content. Like I would probably put on Nope as something to watch first. Yeah. Um, I would say watch Nope. Also, I've been hearing great things about Barbarian. Yeah, I did not know this movie existed until yesterday. It's like pretty high. All right, I think I might go see it tonight, but I'm also scared because I don't want to go by myself to a scary movie. <laughs> yeah, valid. Let but, me know what you think. Um, Cortland, thank you for coming on this podcast yes, and collab for the ages. Always, always is. I, I'm i sorry I haven't been on in a while. You're, oh my you're God, no, that's, that's actually, that's on me, but it's okay because <laughs> Season season four is a lot, and you're definitely going to be on the pod a lot more, if you would like to be. Of course. I'm always so happy to be here. Thank you. Let's For those go. that have made it through our entirety. I was just going to say, yeah. Thank you. Um, 
I hope you've been convinced to make time in your life to go to a film fest and also just go to the movies more. Of course. Um, <laughs> do you know your ta- Do you know your tags? By any um, chance? I, at Cool Kid Court on everything. Cool Kid okay. and T. Know you. <laughs> Um, and you can find me at Cavagelinas on all platforms, Cavagelinas.com, where you can check out some Venice coverage um, on a podcast as well, an article, and then obviously here, but you've already listened to this if you've made it this far. Yeah, Courtney, check out our idiot. Um, yes, wait. Yes. I mean, for sure, this is going to get thrown in there. The Our Idiot mm-hmm. for movies and other random recommendations. Yeah. It's the best email you can ever receive in your inbox. I'm I'm telling you. Shout out, <laughs> shout out to the art idiot. Um, thank you guys for listening. And we will be back in, I believe, two weeks to talk about Moon Age Daydream, David Bowie, and music documentaries. Peace out. Bye.